But they seem to be like the only team I've seen so far that has that ability to just lock in and say, okay, we're going to do this. Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Saturday nights, almost midnight. Joining me, special guest, first time on the Hoop Collective podcast. I'm fairly certain, uh, Mr. Jones, you've never been on it. Uh, in New York City is Bomani Jones. Yeah, this is my first time. I hadn't realized that until you said it, so I appreciate you. And let me just compliment you for those who are watching on the YouTube feed. Very strategically have placed your Emmy for your Zoom. <laughs> I know that you did. I'm not holding it against you. I'm not making fun of you. I, I don't have an Emmy. I'm in Miami, but I don't have an Emmy in ho at home. So I just want to compliment you on it's because I'm sure you do lots of business Zoom calls and you're in your spot here. I it's it's glorious. The whole reason I have it there is because I didn't win it. I just got it. Like I was an executive producer on the 30 for 30. So everybody in the 30 for 30 series that year got one. And so it's even better than winning one. I came up on it. <laughs> I just stumbled upon an Emmy. So I figured I should do that. So here's the thing. This is behind the scenes. When, e when you win an Emmy, like for a big show at ESPN, some people get the actual, they send out the Emmy like you have there, the, the statue at the statue. And some people get a plaque. I did not know that. Yes. Um, you qualified for the statue so the statue so my compliments that I you, appreciate uh, you did that <laughs> yeah um not gonna be any statues uh, or any trophies for the lakers um the the denver nuggets with a brilliant performance in la to win game three just finished a short time ago i didn't even remember what the final score is uh, i won by 11 i had to just go back and look um the game was tied or maybe it was one point i think it was tied going into the fourth quarter and then uh, the Nuggets um, just made a couple of had a couple of runs. I think they went on a 13-0 run at one point um, and hit some threes. And then Jokic, who, but Monty coming into this uh, game, you know, everybody's I, I've been covering this Celtics Heat series, and people have been uh, riding, you know, Tatum for not being able to deliver in the fourth quarter, no baskets the first two games. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, who else didn't have baskets the first two games? Nikola Jokic. He had no baskets in the fourth quarter of the first two games. And I wasn't taking a shot at him. I was just illustrating that just because you don't have a back, so it doesn't necessarily mean it's um, um, that it defines you. But uh, Jokic uh, had four or five baskets in the fourth quarter in this one, and the, the Lakers couldn't get a stop. And um, I think there was, you know, there was a thought that the Lakers, and I, I was in that group, that I thought the Lakers would make it at least a challenging of a series because they had been so good at home this year and the Nuggets in the playoffs and the Nuggets had not quite been the same team on the road. Um, but then Jamal Murray happened and uh, that pretty much ended that. And so what we now have here is the question is, you know, is this Denver team, you know, this Denver team is the look of a champion right now. The Lakers are secondary. Uh, the Nuggets strength to me is primary. What we're, what we've learned for the last five or six days here. Yeah. And I feel like, I've been saying this, that the moment I really bought in on Denver, like I had Denver winning the West coming into it. When I bought in on the idea that they could win it all, it was actually a game they lost. It was at the end of game four against Minnesota. I want to say they were down about 10. And then they just had a moment where it was like, all right, boys, let's stop messing around. Boom, Murray for three. Boom, Murray for three. Boom, Porter for three. 
Jokic gets the ball and just backs Rudy Gobert into the stanchion. And then if you remember that game, he missed the first of two free throws. If he makes that, they sweep that and clean it out. But they seem to be like the only team I've seen so far that has that ability to just lock in and say, okay, we're going to do this. Not just a matter of, oh, our shots are falling, right? Like, oh, wow, we just happened to get on a run where it just seems like they can make a decision that they're going to do it. And I feel like they demonstrated that a couple of times in this series against the Lakers who, bless their hearts, they haven't backed down once. Like, they have impressed me so much with their ability to just keep getting up. But then you just got to the end of this series, and it's like, oh, what happened is one of these teams is just a lot better than the other, and they got the best player left in the whole tournament. And I just, I don't know how at this point Denver wouldn't be your favorite to win the championship no matter who comes out of the East. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, Denver has some weaknesses that the Lakers maybe haven't been able to take advantage of, particularly their defense um, at times. You know, the, the, there was stretches in this game where it was just score, 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 score. And Denver got away with having sort of bad defensive um, stretches because they were their offense was so great. I'm not so sure that um, – uh, that they will be able to do that, you know, every single night. Uh, the, the Lakers are are great, but um, the way they were able to to, to withstand the the Lakers, you know, uh, you know, Anthony Davis particularly in the first half playing really really well. But you know, the, here's the thing about the Nuggets: they were in the bubble, they made the the fi- the conference finals in the bubble, and then the following year they did the trade at the trade deadline the um, for, Anthony, for Aaron Gordon. And they had this eight-game stretch. I think it was eight games, I want to say, right after they did that trade where he elevated their defense. Because, you know, their defense for like three or four years was routinely like 27th. Right. And so they did the Aaron Gordon trade. And, like, he was like the turnkey guy who made their defense way better. And they had this, like – three week stretch where it was like, Oh my God, this might be a, a championship team. And then Jamal Murray blew out his ACL and then he didn't come back at all the following year. And they just didn't have the, the same firepower. And so really, I think they've just sort of rejoined that team that they had coming out, you know, the year after the bubble where they were a championship double team, except for Jokic is now better. Murray is now healthy and they've been out. They've been able to smooth some of the edges off of Michael Porter. They've been able to go out and get some role players like Contavious Caldwell Pope and Bruce Brown, who are classic role playing type of guys who want a championship team. And so like, and they were the number one seed throughout the entire season in the Western conference. Like, I mean, they, their profile is of a team that should have a chance to win a championship. And they happen to now be playing some of their best basketball because they're playing the Lakers who have LeBron and AD they're, they're getting diminished, but they are actually right on schedule of, of a team that would win a title. Yeah. That had been my thought for the longest I've been saying for years. It's like, all right, something is happening here. Right. And it's just, I thought about this um, a few days ago. I'm 42 years old. This is the first time in my life that the Nuggets have been a legitimate championship contender, right? Where you could go in and look at that team and truly say, I think they can win a championship. They got to the conference finals in 09. Nobody thought they were going to win a championship this, you know, that year. This is the first time they've ever been in that discussion. And so I think they were making that slow build and with a center who can't protect the rim, which is kind of this ironic thing that I think a lot of us will always have trouble grasping the idea that you can control a game that much from that position. 
and not be a guy that at the very least can put up some resistance at the rim. Because if they do win this, even those Heat teams, the LeBron, D-Wade, Chris Bosh ones, where they gave up on rebounding and just decided we're going to play smothering perimeter defense, at least they had Chris Bosh to protect the rim. That, I think, is the hardest thing for people to grasp. But then I looked up and I was like, if we're talking about a team where Aaron Gordon is your fourth best player and Michael Porter is your third best player, or Jamal Murray is your third best player, depending on the night or how you want to look at it, I mean, that's a lot of firepower to come out here with. And Malone has them acting like they're supposed to win a championship, which I think may be the marginal difference that matters in the end on this. Yeah, so you mentioned that the Nuggets haven't had much success in their team history. You know, one of the the handful of teams that has never made the finals. Um, just think of this stat. They've never had a sweep in the history of their team. Wow. They've never had a sweep. Wow. Um, so, you know, they had, have had, you know, quite a few 50 win teams over the years where, you know, you would have had the firepower to do it. Um, yeah. And I think Jamal Murray has, I mean, I, I, you know, Jamal came out and he, he had did this interview with Mark Spears after game two and he was key. I don't remember the exact verbiage that he used, but he basically said he was being disrespected. And, you know, here's the thing. First off, he's on a max contract. So, <laughs> got a max contract, you know, you're not being disrespected, but okay. I know that this is the, um, the stance that they're going to take. They're being disrespected. He had a good season this year, but he was not great. He, he had moments where he was great, but you know, he averaged 20 points and six assists. That's good. But like, there was like 50 guys in the NBA this year that averaged 20 points. He is averaging like 28, 30, 28, 30 points in the postseason. And in this game, he has a 30-point half, which, again, I'll just sort of say, this is sort of the Nuggets returning to schedule. We had a couple of 30-point halves in the bubble, which we saw, you know, tremendous shooting in there, and he was especially incredible. Um, and when they had that comeback against the Clippers, you remember some of the moments that he had in that series. Uh, and the, the, the Clippers and the Jazz, I think they came back from. And he was just um, just red hot. So to, to have a game like this, though, where he has a 30-point half on the road in an extreme hostile environment in a high-value game, you know, down 2-0 playing at home, this is the hard, This is the best punch you're ever going to take from a team. And AD came out, you know, he wasn't his best in game two. He came out and played really well out of the gates and everything. Um <laughs> Bo, he scores 30 in the first half without taking a free throw. <laughs> he took 20. Now, I, I actually want to say it's, it's almost like a commentary on Jokic that is a guy in a two-time MVP where, and forget the outside noise that he's got to prove anything to anybody. Just the idea that you're the, the MVP, the two-time MVP, and you're going into this high, high leverage game. You're probably thinking, all right, I got to come in here and I got I to gotta really get this done. He allows Murray to do this. I mean, it's a, it's a commentary on the way their team is structured. It's not a surprise by the way, but it's a, it's a commentary, but he scores 30 points in the situation in the first half. I mean, that's a transcendent performance. That's a, that's a, you know, you're, you're, you're into like first ballot hall of famer stuff doing that. And so Yes, Jamal, I did not regard you as uh, as that level of uh, a guy who could do that. Um, and I should, I guess I should have. So I guess you were underrated. You didn't make the all-star team. You didn't make the all-NBA team. But he also didn't play like this. 
the right. way he's playing in the postseason is is a higher level than we saw in the regular season. Yeah, like you know, I could be torn at points, especially like when you look at the advanced numbers and like when I talk about him and Porter, and I think I'm higher on Porter than a lot of people are. But I mean, he's six ten and shooting forty percent from three, right? Like yeah. that is a rarity to have. And Murray's a bit of a defensive liability. Like you could make an argument that Porter is a better player, but the thing about Murray is what we saw in the bubble, and we just hadn't had a chance to see since then is. There's certain dudes in these moments and in this particular setting of the playoffs where this game gets to be a bit reduced and what you can do in the pick and roll in those two man games matters more where he can just have nights like those. Like he put up 30 in this half after putting up, what was it, 23 or 26 in the fourth quarter? 23. Before. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. bananas so, that you so, could do that so in so three, three, he goes, three points. Bo, incredible point. 53 points in three quarters. Yeah. Holy like, hell. Like, <laughs> this is, Holy like, hell. Like this is absurd. And there just aren't that many people who are capable of doing that. But the, the game dynamics of the playoffs come up where he's going to do that there in a way it's not going to happen in the regular season. Like, I don't even think it's just a matter of, oh, the stakes get higher and he gets better. It's like, no, the game gets simpler in a lot of ways when you get to this point. And once it gets there, he can be that guy that could get it done. The only concern I had, and while it was great that he was making all those shots, you do look around and you're like, okay. These cats look like they got a little bit cold just watching you play basketball. Like when the chances came for them to actually have open yeah. shots, they were like, oh, wow, I got the ball. Because once Murray's like that, he ain't looking at nobody else. That's just not how it works. And you understand right. why, but it can be a bit of a problem. Well, this reminds me of a story I've told it before. I hope I'm not repeating to the listeners, but um, uh, Wilt, uh, or, um, World Be Free. You remember World Be yes. Free? I mean, it's kind of before our time, but he was uh, in the 80s, a historic gunner. Um and I remember there was a journalist who used to cover him. And um, who would he be compared to today? Um, just, you know, one of these guys, just high volume shooter. And yeah, um, they, they honestly don't make them like that anymore. <laughs> you're right. You're right. But uh, my dad used to say that, you know, world would get three shots up when he was going, you know, waiting to check into the game, you know, at the <laughs> scores table. So he had this quote that I'll never forget where, um, he was saying after a game, he's like, you know, it's really hard to average 20 in the NBA. And the reporter goes, oh yeah, points. And he goes, no, shots. <laughs> and and by the way, he's right. <laughs> it's kind of hard to average 20 shots. You got to have, you got you to have a lot of things to fall into place to at, not, you know, to average 20, to average 20 shots. Um, he gets up 20 in the first half. I mean, I, I agree. I don't think it's necessarily a formula that you want to follow, but like to do that in that setting, you got to take your hat off to them because the Lakers did come to play. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, they, they did pour out their energy. I mean, LeBron, I know LeBron, like I got people texting me like, well, this is the end for LeBron. This is the end for LeBron. And I'm like, okay, I realize it's not 2018 LeBron. I'll take my hat off, but he went for 23 and 12. You know, uh, I, I agree. It's not, the guy who would go for 38, 17, and 12. Um, you know, Austin Reeves had four, he's had four straight 20-point games. Yeah. Like, Austin Reeves is like a, like a legitimate stud. Like, you know, people are talking, Jamal Murray's talking about him not getting respect. How about put some respect on Austin Reeves' name? Yeah. You know, AD, 28 and 18. And they still got hammered down on their home yeah. floor. I mean, this is about the Nuggets doing their thing. Yeah, like, I have been stunned by how good the Lakers have proven themselves to be. I just did not think that you could make trades to add the kind of middling players that they brought in and think they were going to turn the 12 seed into a conference finalist, right? It just didn't seem to be 
it didn't seem that rearranging those chairs was going to have that much of an effect. But then it did. And then Darvin seemed to demonstrate not just being a pretty good coach. He seems to be a really good coach. If for no other reason than no matter how tough it's gotten, man, they've gotten up and they've kept coming back. And LeBron just physically can't play four quarters of basketball anymore, where he is Russell Westbrook in the fourth quarter now shooting jump shots, right? I think he had his best shooting game so far in this. And I think it's just physical. I just don't think how with flat did that shot look in that fourth quarter, man? Oh, man, it looked bad. But he's been so good otherwise that you avoid like the Willie Mays with the Mets comparisons, you know, those sorts of things that we talk about. Like, we're not going to like this isn't Patrick Ewing with the Sonics or anything like that. But he's not there. By the way, that's on the horizon. It's on the horizon. We got he's got years more that he's on the payroll and he ain't walking away from a dime. guys. there ain't no he's not walking away from the chance to play with his son. So. You know, but, you know, here's what I'll say about that trade. And I've praised it up and down one side, the other, even if it's I've been criticized for trading it like or for praising it. Like, OK, Malik Beasley hasn't played in a month. He's you know, I know he had some moments when they first got there. He's he has not played in a month. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt basically became a. I mean, he started um, some games in the playoffs, but he basically he's been a 10 minute a game player when he's played. Um, He's been impactful at times, but as far as like recently, he hasn't been hugely effective. Um, Hachimura has been the biggest impact player, but that didn't come from the Westbrook trade and D'Angelo Russell. I don't know what you do with that one, Bomani. He was, he's absolutely killed the Lakers in this series. Um, for people that uh, that want to criticize, um, you know, want to criticize AD for not being able to be, you know, wilt offensively every single game. I mean, okay, that's <laughs> fine. But uh, D'Angelo Russell is a really important piece for the Lakers, and he hasn't showed up. And he was one of eight in this game tonight. He he was, I think he he was minus thirty. I got to look and see what his final plus minus was. He was minus thirty in the first two games. I think he was minus 12 tonight. Yeah, minus 12 tonight. He was minus 25 in 26 minutes in game one. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. Driving without a seatbelt could cost you everything. But despite that, there are still drivers on the road who just won't buckle up. Some of those drivers will be pulled over and given expensive tickets by law enforcement. Some of those drivers not wearing their seatbelts will be involved in crashes. Some will survive, but some won't. Wearing your seatbelt could be the difference between making it home to your loved ones and not making it at all. Every day when you get in your vehicle and decide whether to buckle up, remember, That's the single most effective way to protect your life in the event of a crash. Make it home safely to the people you care about. Don't risk it, click it, or tick it. Paid for by NHTSA. So actually, I think more that just the impact that moving off of Westbrook and opening up the roles for some other people, particularly Reeves, um, is more relevant that, that for the Lakers turning this around than the actual performance of those players on balance. I mean, there were obviously games where Russell was awesome, 
Uh, but on balance, he's not been like a hugely impactful player and certainly has let them down in this series. And I think that what makes that interesting is how the Lakers now go forward because the conventional thinking would be, well, look, you made these trades and, you know, you took a team, as you said, from the 13th seed to the conference finals. They're being outclassed in the conference finals, but still they got there. They they won two series without home court advantage, one of them against the defending champs who still remain potent. I mean, that is not – I'm, I'm afraid people are going to uh, downplay this accomplishment because because they're getting, you know, washed right out of this uh, series. That, those were two good series wins. I know yeah. that they benefited from the from the Morant injury, but those are two good series wins. Um, but so the question I, I wonder now for them is like, especially if they you know get out with this, they get swept, which I would expect that to happen. Honestly, do the Lakers stay? No, let's bring this back, or do they think about the Kyrie option again, which had kind of gone away? when they were winning these playoff series. It just seems like such a terrible idea on every level. Like it seemed like what I they know. had to do before, right? You just had to give something a try. It seems like such a bad idea, but I also think that where we're starting here begins with this question. What is some, what offer sheet is somebody willing to put in front of Austin Reeves restricted free agent? Because this is not a situation where you could just let him walk and easily replace what you get from a six, six dude who can hit shots, hit them off the dribble and play credible defense. There's no way they're letting him walk because they've were absolutely had egg dripping from their chin on <laughs> letting Alex Caruso walk. And Reeves, let's just be honest, he's their third best player. Yeah. He's their third best player. <laughs> you can't let your third best player walk. Also, there's some restrictions on what he can be offered. He can be offered the Gilbert Arenas rule, Carlos Boozer rule, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're keeping him. But yeah. If they jettisoned D'Angelo Russell, uh, Malik Beasley has a team option. They could just cut him. Um, if they uh, said, we're not going to sign Hatchimer or like maybe tried to offer Hatchimer in a sign and trade somewhere, they could, it, it would take a little bit of maneuvering and Kyrie would probably have to not take the max or they would have to work on something with Dallas, but they can get there. They, they can keep Reeves and get Kyrie if they make that a priority. They risk the, they risk going right back to where they were before, which is a top-heavy team that doesn't have – because one thing that they did have, they with, – with Vanderbilt, you know, uh, you, know, you know, with Hachimura, they added that they could play different ways. You know, uh, Darwin had different hands he could play. But – I can just see Kyrie ready to come and the feel on like, look, we got to the conference finals. Imagine if we replace Russell with Kyrie. I mean, I, I, I it, the Lakers have fallen for this before. Yeah. So the-, the, the way this is ending, I think it's increasing the chances of it happening. So Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, and LeBron James, which one of them is more likely to play 65 games? Actually, let's take that down to 60 oh, because 65 man. feels really ambitious. That's and the, the guys thing. you're going to re- – yeah. it's a, And the guys, by the way, here you're going to be filling in the gaps with are going to be uh, guys on minimums. Yeah. You're going like to have- you're, you're be back out there in that game again. And the thing with LeBron, we got to remember about aging, it increases at an increase in rate. Right. Like there's not going to be a turnaround where there's like, I don't think you're going to get the Bill Walton 86 year where suddenly he plays like 76 games or something like that. 
How many games can you realistically expect from him? Anthony Davis, I mean, he's this will be year 12 for him next year. Like we we like we lose track, I think, very often of how like how many miles and how old a lot of these dudes really are. And then you add Kyrie, who'll just find a reason not to play. Like <laughs> anything that's gonna happen, he is it's some reason why he ain't gotta play the next game. I just maybe they'll be dumb enough to do this. Like I look at the Mavericks and I'm like, are you guys really gonna be dumb enough to do this? And they are because they kind of don't have any other choice. Yeah, well, the Mavericks, um, the you know the, the the they've got more you know chips on the table, you know they're they're still you know they're still holding what they you know what they invested to to get them. Um, but if the Mavericks, like the only thing I'll say about the Mavericks is if if Kyrie says, "Hey, I'm going to the Lakers, and I'll go to the Lakers for X, or you can trade me and get something back." Um, you know, I, I think the Mavericks, if they're put up against a wall, would probably have to cooperate. And that's one of the reasons why I can't, I, I've heard people float some Kyrie things to me and, um, and I can't rule it out because even though I know the Mavericks don't want to, they might have to, and that brings in more teams. Um, and, you know, this is the thing, you know, neither Kyrie, <coughs> excuse me, neither Kyrie or Harden are guys you should be crawling over glass to pay to pay. But when you look at the free agent class, those are the two guys that are available. And I could see some teams crawling over glass to pay them. And I think that, you know, Houston obviously is, is telegraphing. They're ready to do it for Harden. And I could see the Lakers trying to do it for LeBron because they'll say, this is, you know, he played, he got us the conference finals. What if, what if in this game tonight, we didn't have a guy go one for eight at the point guard position, what if we had Kyrie Irving? We'd have won. I can see them totally talking themselves into it and going, we didn't get anything out of Russell. We didn't get anything out of Vanderbilt. We'll find another way to replace Hachimura. And we didn't get anything out of Beasley. I can see them. I can see them talking themselves into it. And, and um, it's what I was thinking tonight as I was watching this game play out, especially as the, 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 the nuggets just, you know, put them down in the sleeper hold in the fourth quarter. I'm like, I could see it, and um, I know it's not something that's that's that Laker fans would want to hear right now. But I, I think it's going to be one of the big fallouts of this uh, of the, the way this series has gone. Yeah, like this offseason is like the Bizarro version of 2016, where everybody had money, but there was nobody to give it to. So Solomon Hill, you know, changed yes. his whole life and everything else. <laughs> except this time, it feels like the guys that are going to get this are guys that have already made hundreds of millions of dollars. Like James Harden now suddenly is, is, is primed for a score, even though if they were in, it could not have been a more damning indictment of the whole James Harden experience. What we just saw this season and Houston who has already been through this is like, yeah, yeah, come on back. We'll do that. Oh, okay. That, that, that seems like a great idea. Kyrie Irving in a similar situation where I, I mean, what a league. That's just the whole thought I have as I see through all of this. Like the talent is spread out enough and there's just enough parity that everybody can really trick themselves into what might be some horrible ideas. Yeah. I mean, paying James Harden $50 million a year over four years, which is what it seems like um, there appears to be an appetite for. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's insane. It's, I mean, (laughs) I, I, I mean, but, but, and that's the thing, like I'll say about Kyrie. When Kyrie requested the trade, four teams hopped to. 
Like everything that happened in the last couple of years, everything that went down, everything he put the Nets through, four teams jumped up. And, you know, and I know that maybe not all four of them ended up making like bona fide offers. Like I don't think the Clippers at the end were really, really there, but like they, they, they brought it up. Like they, they kicked it around. They, I'm pretty sure they talked to the Nets and, and exchanged some sort of conversation. So like when you, when you think about that, you know, that is, you know, the, the desire for that type of impact player or impact player from at some time is uh, it's, it's, it's irresistible times. And by the way, speaking of getting paid, I mentioned earlier that, um, that uh, Jamal Murray's a, on a max contract. I think he's extension eligible. Oh, yeah, that'd be um, a good time to have the agent put the call in. Yeah, I think they should can seriously consider um, uh, taking care of him. So let me think here. He's got, uh, no, he's got, yeah, he's got a one year left after this year. So he is absolutely extension eligible. And they, um, um, they just they just increased the amount that you can extend a player like that, and you know he didn't make the All NBA team, so he's not eligible for the Supermax. So he may be in that same zone that uh, Dejounte Murray uh, is in, um, where it may behoove him to just wait. But considering he's got an injury history, uh, but you know, like talk about you know making making your case. I mean the level that he has played in this series, this postseason has, has, um, has certainly, you know, verified where he's at. And, and, and that's the other thing, like Mike Malone, Michael Malone has, you know, we'll see what's happening. The post-game press conferences have just been going on. I don't know if, if he's, if he uh, doubled down again tonight, my guess is not because the opponent has kind of been vanquished. These, th- no matter what anybody wants to say, the, the, uh, Oh, here we Okay, so he so Malone's afterwards is is praising Murray and you know anyway I won't go into it right now I don't want to try to go back while I'm reading it but um, this Nuggets team is bona fide everybody can see that nobody's saying they're not and that's what that you know tonight just verified is that um, they can pretend like they don't get credit we're <laughs> in historic levels here. Yeah, I think I do think a lot of people showed up late. That mountain time zone is a vortex. Like there really is something <laughs> to that idea. And I would just watch in the broadcast the ways that people at our network and others would talk about the Nuggets to a more general audience because that's what the playoffs attracts is an audience that isn't watching. You know, it's, it, it ain't a league pass audience. It's a lot bigger than that. And they really had to slow walk people through this whole Jokic thing. Just like, hey, so – you're going to see this guy. He doesn't look like he's that good at basketball, but trust me, it's pretty amazing because people really hadn't gotten here. And I think they just hadn't got to a place where they could talk themselves into the idea that that collection of players could be as good as it has demonstrated itself to being. And so I think for me, I've been saying for those couple of years, wait till everybody gets healthy, which everybody always says about everything, except this time it really did happen. Like they all right. got healthy and they turned into the best case scenario. It seems like of what this team could be. Um, who they get in the finals will be very, very interesting because if they get the heat, it will be the first time that I really think they're playing against the team that at the very least will be as as, as locked in as they are. If they play the Celtics, those erratic children have no chance against Denver. <laughs> they're like, uh, I, I mean, in, in are you a succession fan? Yes. 
I won't give anything away, but you know, um, Logan Roy makes a speech this year, this season about his yep. children and they're he, not serious. And he people. says, you're not serious people. Yes. And I love you all, but you are not serious. people. Right. That was kind of what I thought about the Celtics. And I was in the arena last night. We'll, we'll wrap up with them here in a second, but there is a narrative coming out of tonight's game. Um, you know, apparently um, Malone said that Jokic, it suggested some plays for him to call in the fourth quarter um, that ended up working. I, and by the way, the, the, the Nuggets offense is a juggernaut. They were, I think, second in the league in offense during the year uh, and like top five all time. Um, and the Lakers defense was number one in the league um, in the playoffs coming into the series and good offense has beaten good defense in this series and certainly good offense beat their defense tonight. But while we're working on, while Malone's working on the narrative game, um, and I'm sure that Jokic did call some plays. Um, Jokic calls the plays every game. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, it's, it's you know, but I I'm enjoying watching that uh, that narrative game that that, that Malone is playing. Um, but he's everything he's touching is turned to gold. So have at it. Um, all right, so before we go, I mean, I am in Miami. I'm going to cover game three tomorrow. I don't know if we're going to get the same situation here and be a 3-0 situation. But um, uh, one of the things that was so remarkable to me coming out of that game last night is that Boston has a ton of playoff experience on that roster now. Those guys have played a lot of uh, high-level playoff basketball. Um, and... I'm watching the heat and in the fourth quarter of uh, it was 11 points with 11 minutes to go. And then nine points with six minutes to go. I'm watching the game and the team that is down has its act together more than the team that is ahead. And there's a whole bunch of varying reasons for why that's the case. But even before the heat made the comeback and took control of the game, you could just see the way the teams were operating that one team showed was, was, it was exuding comfort and the other team was exuding panic. And to me, like that's my takeaway from this series is that for all the time the Celtics have had together and all the big wins and everything like that, they still do not have a sense of comfort uh, and a sense of like, okay, we've been here before we can handle our business on our home court where the heat who I just want to point everything out. I know that, um, Speaking of working on narratives, Eric Spolstra is like, well, you guys just nobody paid attention to me or to pay attention to us. You know, we were doing this for a long time. That's all fine. Those guys were in a in a rough spot at one point this season. They they went through a few periods where they looked like they were not they weren't even gonna make the playoffs. But here they are. And because of Jimmy, and because Jimmy feels comfortable when everybody else is panicking, he likes to make people panic. It's one of his favorite things to do in life is get people <laughs> off balance. Um, I swear he's playing country music all the time, Bomani. Like he's playing country music when he's walking through the halls on his phone. And I think he does it half just because he wants to get a rise out of people and wants to like set them off on there. He blasts country music in their locker room. And I swear he's just doing it like to, to, to irritate his teammates because he, I think he likes it when his teammates are on edge a little bit. And it shows in those games because the heat frankly are more comfortable and normal when they're under duress 
and they play better under duress, whereas the Celtics fold under duress. And it's hard to explain, but it's that's what I'm watching. So I think Missoula has earned some legitimate criticism, especially him punting the end of that game where they're down by five. He could have called a timeout, advanced the ball, called a play for a quick shot. There, it was not over, and it looked like he gave up. And that is something – that's the kind of thing that makes sure you don't get your job back next year, quite honestly. But a lot of the things I think that the Celtics are getting criticized for, they've been doing for three coaches now. Right. Like as much as we talk so much about Eme and what a job he did last year, if Jimmy Butler hits that three on the right wing to put them up late in that game in game seven last year, the Celtics have one of the epic collapses in the history of the playoffs. And they had all kinds of ups and downs and leads and everything else. You're right. They did this with Stevens. They did this with the guy that everybody seems to think was the greatest coach in the history of mankind. And they're doing it with this guy. At some point, we have to look up and just say, Maybe the problem is you guys like they this core has been together for six years. Marcus Smart's been on that team for nine years. Al Horford went and did that weird year in Philadelphia, but he's basically been there the whole time. By now, you don't get scared of this stuff and they still seem terrified. And I just don't understand it. Yeah. And by the way, something about the fourth quarter. Um, So in Miami, um, there are some people who are obsessed with the Max Struess out-of-bounds call that happened. I can't remember how much time was left in the clock. Do you remember what I'm talking about during Game mm-hmm. 7 last year? There's a play um, along the sideline. The ball goes to Max Struess. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a catch-and-shoot, and they rule that he had stepped his heel was out-of-bounds. And the video evidence is... Not necessarily. It looks like his heel was elevated when he caught the ball and he took the three and made the three. And it, you know, in, in a, in a game that came down to a single possession in the game seven, um, that call has been a point of frustration for some people who are heat supporters. Um, well, karma came back because what was there? 45 seconds or so left with the heat up three and they're inbounding the ball and Max Struess is walking all around. He should have been, I mean, I know it's hard to call a, a, a violation on situation. Um, but so that's, that's one thing I want to say about that is that um, whether or not he was, his heel was out of bounds a year ago, he definitely, and by the way, the last two minute report came out today and the league said that the call was, correctly a correct non-call that he shouldn't have been called for a violation but that was just leave it it was a shady moment um uh but whatever i'm not going to focus on that um i think that there have been times in this postseason where joe missoula has looked like the kid who jumped into the in the deep end of the pool and didn't know it and has been thrashing around waiting for some for some uh chance to to get equalized um, but I don't think it's his fault that they're down 2-0 in the series. It's not his fault that Jason Tatum is dribbling the ball off his foot. It's not his fault that Marcus Smart just hands the ball over. It's not his fault Jalen Brown had a miserable game. I mean, if you're going to take criticism, if you're going to take aim at Jason Tatum for some of the bad games he's had, Jalen Brown was 7-23, and he had a devastating traveling call in the fourth quarter. And um, was 0-5 in the fourth quarter. I mean, people are, are, are uh, ripping Grant Williams because he went at Jimmy Butler in that moment. But Grant Williams was the, the Celtics, arguably their best player in the fourth quarter. 
Did and you see uh, so, Jay King's column in The Athletic about that, where you made the great point, the problem is that Grant Williams stood up to Jimmy Butler's that nobody else did? Yeah, I mean, I saw it, and Jay definitely knows his stuff. Um, I th- I'm fairly certain that Grant Williams made the last three baskets that the Celtics made. Uh, Tatum hit some free throws, so he might have had as many points. But um, the only guy who was able to put the ball in the basket in the fourth quarter was Grant Williams. Uh, so, and I, and I've having been at all these Celtics, um, games, like I, that's why I just felt, I felt like last night I was like, you guys are not serious. You're not serious people. You know, when you allow yourself to get beat on your home court in a closeout game by the Hawks, when you, um, you know, game five in the last round against the Sixers, they ended up getting away with it partially because of what the Sixers issues were, but you're playing a two, two game five on your home court. These are moments that define careers and they get slapped. Um, and now they've blown two, uh, two fourth quarter leads, or I guess they weren't had the lead in in game one, but they've blown two double digit leads twice in each of these first two games. I mean, Bomani, the heat have played the heat have 55 wins this season. When you include their postseason and regular season. And I'm and I'm throwing in the, the one play-in game. They have 55 wins. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. 60, uh, I'm sorry, 38 of those 55 wins have come out of clutch time. 38 of the 55 wins, the game was within five points in the last five minutes. And they lost a bunch too. I think they're, they're 38 and like 20, uh, I don't remember. They, they've played like 64, right? Yeah, they played 62 clutch situation games. They all they do is play games like this. This is who they are. And and regardless of like the talent level one through eight, in a close fourth quarter game or in any fourth quarter game that's not totally lopsided, the Heat have the advantage on the Celtics. And that is a problem for a team that is at this spot on their on their wing on their window as the Celtics are. They don't have a single guy who can just say, I'm about to go get a bucket. Like Jimmy Butler can say, give me the ball and I'm going to get us a good shot. I might not make it, but I can promise you I'm going to get as close as I possibly can. And I'm going to make them stop me or make them foul me. And I'm going to get a shot up. Like no matter how bad it gets, 
I can slow this down and just back you down because I'm as strong as an ox and I'm going to get a shot. Jason Tatum's game is making hard shots look easy, but the shots are always hard. And at no point do they have any guy that can just say, fellas, I got it. Why? And that matters here. Like that's the Jamal Murray thing we were talking about before. He has demonstrated himself to be a guy who can stop and say that. Jokic, the best part of watching him this postseason is watching him simplify it to points of just being like, how about you give me the ball and I'm just going to knock you all the way under the basket and then I'm going to take a layup. Like this isn't complex. <laughs> that's what he was doing in the fourth quarter. He was like, yeah. I am going to get the ball in this spot and you're not doing anything about it. Yeah. Right. And the Celtics, as good as Tatum is, as good as people say Brown is, I'm not as high on him as others, but they don't do that. It feels like they should be able to, but they don't do that. So how crazy is it? Al Horford can shut down Joel Embiid, but they don't have a guy that can get an easy shot. You know, so the game plan for the Celtics, especially in game two, I've rarely seen a team force a guy left as hard as the Celtics were forcing uh, Jimmy left. I mean, they were practically playing him at a 90 degree angle. Like they were, they were doing all but shoving him to the left. They were standing so far to his right every time he got the ball. And the reason they don't, they were doing that is because they know that when Jimmy gets to that right side, especially when he get down the post, he's got a whole bag of tricks, including that sort of step back jumper, which he is able to hit with blanketed. And, you know, he can hit it from both sides, but really is effective on the right. And so, like, it was very clear to me that their game plan was, gentlemen, do not let Jimmy Butler go right. I don't care if he goes left and dunks on your head if you stick to the game plan. And yet there they were in the fourth quarter. Guess where Jimmy Butler was? <laughs> over and over and over. Right there on that right side. And Spo talked about it. Spo talked about it even before the game because, you know, he, Jimmy Butler does this. And Spo was like, you're going to ask me how he gets to his spots. I don't know. He just does. And, and he was, he did. He knows how to do it. He gets to his spots. And um, yeah, that's the thing. Like Tatum, Tatum seems like he either wants to do nothing but shoot a three or he wants to do nothing but drive to the basket. Like he's like, okay, now I'm, now I'm throwing my, my body in there. Um, for a guy who's so talented and is, you know, first team all NBA player, he doesn't have that finesse. Um, and in other words, he doesn't have the, the sort of the know-how and the go-to in a, in a tight game. Now, look, this dude won them game six. And this is why it's so hard to, to, to be a Celtics fan at times. He wins them game six with a couple of you know, great clutch shots. And then he comes out and scores 51 in the game seven. It's an iconic performance. It's, you know, and then you, know, you look at last year when um, they were playing Milwaukee and he goes into Milwaukee and has 46. I mean, he has a 46-point elimination game, a 51-point game seven, and he won them game six in this series, down 3-2 on the road with his late uh, shot making. Like, it feels like his resume is incredibly impressive. But then you actually watch how they lose these games, and you're like, but that's not necessarily who he is. Right. So there's a there's gray area there, but it's, it's, not, it's not looking like a championship team right now. <laughs> you said it. They're just not serious people. It just gets it, or maybe it comes down to wow, this we're going to do this without a point guard thing. And I guess Brogdon was supposed to be some reasonable facsimile of one, but maybe that experiment is not it. I don't know, but they should be better. Like, as good as they've been, all you can say is that they should be better. 
Yeah. And, you know, Spo got a little feisty about being asked about the undrafted players again. The Heat don't have undrafted players. They have NBA players. Yeah. And the Heat are not an eight seed. They're a championship contender. That's who they are. And um, uh, I, 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 I don't understand our uh, the analytics profile that we have. Our computers are still favoring at ESPN. Our computers are still favoring the uh, the the Celtics. They just can't series. believe it. They just the computers can't believe it. And and the and the odds makers, the Heat have routinely been pounding these teams straight up, and the odds makers can't help themselves. They just don't want to buy it. They had the Celtics as ten point favorites again. I think they're, I think the Heat are something like seven and one this playoffs when they've been at least seven point um, dogs, <laughs> not, not against the spread straight up. Wow. And so they were six and one. <laughs> and they, so they made him a 10 point uh, favor or a dog. And like, I haven't looked to see what the number is for tomorrow. I'm going to look at it right now, but like, I think it's five no, and a the, half. The computers can't believe it. The, the handicappers can't believe it. Nope. Nobody wants to believe. Yeah. Uh, three and a half, actually. Okay. Uh, Boston uh, favored by three and a half, you know, in, in Miami. Uh, so, I mean, I think Malone has been a little bit, um, a little bit outside the zone in uh, complaining about narrative, but look at these, look at the, you know, look at what the, what everybody keeps saying about the heat and they've been, you know, they've been more impressive in a certain yeah. way like so, spo spo has a point yes i think so um but also that team was the eighth seed whereas the um the the, the nuggets were the one seed yeah so um all right bo thank you so much for your time on a saturday night and thank no you problem, for man. uh giving us your perspective thank you for listening to Hoop collective thanks to adi our producer and uh we'll talk to you after game four which I don't know, maybe the last of these uh, special Hoop Collective Western Conference pods. We uh, we had planned for this long series, but um, I wouldn't argue if I got Memorial Day weekend. So talk to you guys soon. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.